take out your Bibles this morning and turn to Song of Solomon chapter 7. One last time we're going to be in the book of Song of Solomon. We're concluding the teaching portion of our series today called God's Not Gray. I say we're just concluding the teaching portion because next Sunday we're going to have a special God's Not Gray Q&A question and answers. And uh, several of you already turned in some great questions last week. And let me just say, you guys did not hold anything back. You know, Gary challenged you to let us have it on the questions and, and you definitely did that. And so if you thought a couple of weeks ago was PG. G13, just wait till we answer some of your questions that you guys asked, but remember you asked them, and so you, you want to be here next week uh, for some very practical questions that have been asked in this series, but it's not too late to get your questions in, so inside your newsletter today, there's a little half sheet. If you've got any questions about anything we've talked about in Song of Solomon or about marriage or relationships, uh, just go ahead and put them on there. We're going to try to answer as many of those questions as we can next Sunday in all of our services, so you don't want to miss out on that. It'll be very practical. Practical. I'm excited about our upcoming summer series. People have been asking, what are we doing next? We're going to have a summer series called Proverbs. You just saw a promotion on that called Insights from a Wise Guy. Proverbs is one of my favorite um, books of the Bible. I read it all the time. It's going to be a great practical series. And then today as we wrap this up, we're calling this Love in Action. And this is probably one of the most practical of all the messages that we've done as we put love into action in all of our relationships and our marriages. Because love is more than just an emotion. Would you agree? Say yes. Love is more than just an emotion. It's more than just a feeling. Love is, is a decision. And, is, and love is, is, that is real is an action that we live out and, and we put into practice in our lives and in our marriages. And there's, there's a difference between intentions and actions. There's a difference between intentions and actions. I think most of us, when we go into marriage, we have good intentions. That's why we got married. And we plan to have a great marriage and a great relationship and, you know, be great parents and all that. Nobody goes into that planning to fail. We go into it with good intentions. But unfortunately, over time, sometimes those intentions don't translate into good actions. I learn this all the time at my house. My wife reminds me of this. I'll come home, I'll take off my coat, and instead of putting it in the closet, now I'm a pastor, but I'm not perfect, y'all, okay? I take off my coat, instead of putting it in the closet, which is two steps away, I hang it on the back of the chair, the bar stool there, in the kitchen. And, and then Shelly is very gracious and loving, and she'll, she'll give me, you know, like 30 seconds before she says anything, and then she'll be like, uh... Hey, you planning to put that away? Yeah, I was planning to do that. Just give me a few minutes to set my stuff down. About 15 minutes goes by. The jacket's still on the back of the chair. So when were you planning to do that? When were you? I had good intentions. I was planning to do it. But I, I got to make sure the actions come before the intentions. It's not just good intentions, but there's good actions. And we, we've all been there. And you know, when you think about life and relationships, we generally judge others by their actions, but we tend to judge ourselves by our intentions. Have you ever thought about that? We, we judge everybody else by their actions, but we want to judge ourselves by our intentions. So today, in a very practical way, as we wrap up Song of Solomon, God's Not Great, I, I want us to talk about how do we put our love into action, closing the gap between good intentions and actions, and how, how do we put that into action. So I hope you'll take some notes this morning, three very simple but profound truths, if you'll put these into your relationships and into your marriage, that will have a dramatic effect if you'll live these out and put them into action. So here's the first one. Love and action is this. If you think something good, what are we going to do? Help me, church. We're going to say it. Okay, let's all say it. All right. If we think something good, we're going to do what? Say it. 
We're going to say it. Now, we, we've mentioned this before. I think this was one of our points back in uh, Small Things, Big Difference, the first of the year. Because, and we'll probably use it again because it is such a simple thing, but it's so important that we put our good intentions into good actions. And if we think something good, we don't just think it, but we say it. You know, Proverbs, the, the book we're going to study this summer, Proverbs 18.21 says it this way. The tongue can bring death or life. Isn't that true? With our words, we can tear people down or we can build people up. Our, our, our words can be life-giving or our words can be life-taking. We want to make sure we're bringing life-giving words into our marriages and into our relationships. And if you want a life-giving marriage, then you need to speak life-giving words. If you think something good, don't just think it. Say it. Say it. Th this happened to me uh, just about two weeks ago. Shelly and I were, were driving around town. We were running some errands. And uh, we were just kind of talking about life and where we are with our kids and everything else. And we were talking about our ages. And, and, and we were, I don't know if you guys do this or not, but I'm just keeping this real. We were, we were talking about some of our friends from like 20, 30 years ago that are on Facebook and seeing their pictures today, you know, and we hadn't seen them in 20, 30 years. And we were like, man, some of them, uh, they haven't aged real well. They're not, they're, they, I, I mean, some of them we don't even recognize. We're like, what happened to them? And, and, and Shelly and I were kind of like encouraged. We were like, you know, we're in our 40s and we, we feel like we're, we feel pretty good. We, we, we look okay. And, and we were talking about this and, and, and I thought something about my wife. And so I thought, you know what? I don't want to just think it. I want to say it. And I said, well, Shelly, you know, you're, you're in your early 40s now, just barely. She's just barely 40. You're in your 40s now. And I said, I got to tell you, honey, you look as good now as you did 10 years ago, maybe even better. She's like, oh, really? Brownie points. I, and I thought it. But I thought, you know, I'm going to say it. And I said, and you know, the more I look at other people on Facebook, the better you look. <laughs> I'm like, man. I mean, I've seen some old girlfriend's pictures on Facebook that I'm like, ooh, I dodged a bullet on that one. <laughs> just keeping it real. And you guys have done the same thing. And so I didn't just want to think it. I, I wanted to say it. And, and Solomon has modeled this for us throughout this book in Song of Solomon. Look at Song of Solomon, chapter 7, uh, verse 1. And, and he's, he's speaking to his beloved, the Shulamite woman. This is a, tr a true story about King Solomon and the Shulamite woman. And, and he says this to her. How beautiful are your feet in sandals. He says, babe, your, your feet look good in sandals, babe. Now, now, this guy is so creative. If you've been here for this series... A couple of weeks ago, he started at the head and he worked his way down. He started with her hair and then her eyes and her teeth. Now he's so creative. Now he's starting at her feet and he's working his way up. And hang on because he's going to work his way up. And he starts with her feet. And he says, babe, listen, your feet are beautiful in sandals. Oh, princess daughter, the curves of your thighs are like jewels. The work of the hands of a skillful workman. He says, you got nice feet. You got nice thighs. Like a skillful worker. And I, I, all I could think about, forgive me for this, and all I could think about when I read this was the Christmas story leg lamp. You know, it says, like, that's all I could think about. I'm sorry. And then, and then he, he continues to work his way up. Watch out. He says, your navel, verse 2, is a rounded goblet. It lacks no blended beverage. I'm not sure completely what that means, but it sounds pretty good. And now, now watch, you got to be careful with this next one. I don't know how he got away with this. This must have, in this culture, must have been a compliment. He says, and listen, babe, your waist is a heap of wheat set about with lilies. 
Men, let me just warn you before you try this line. I, I wouldn't be referring to her waist as a heap of anything. But in, but in this culture, evidently, this was a compliment. Your waist is a heap of wheat set about with lilies. Now, he, he, have you noticed with this guy, whether he starts at the top and works his way down or starts at the feet and works his way up, he always ends up at the same place. Your two breasts. This is in the Bible. I'm just reading the Bible, church. I know we got a lot of guests here today. They're like, what kind of church is this? It's in the Bible. Your two breasts are like two fawns, twins of a gazelle. There he is again. He always ends up in the same place, doesn't he? But what, what, what's he doing? He's, he's thinking positive things about his wife. This is now his wife. They've gotten married. We saw that a couple of weeks ago. And he's not just thinking them, but what is he doing? He's saying them. I like your feet. I like your legs. I like your waist. I like other things. He's being very specific. Now, how do we make this practical? If we think something good, we want to say it, whether we're the husband or we're the wife in our relationships. And this is also true in parenting. If you think something good about your kids, say it. They need to hear those encouraging words. Amen, parents? I mean, this helps in your friendships. If you think something good about your friends, say it. We all need encouraging words. But especially in your relationships, you know, your marital relationships. We, we tend to say, I love you a lot. I hope you do. And that's a good start. But we shouldn't stop there. You know, we, we say good, goodbye, I love you. You know, hey, on the phone, love you, text you, love you. You'll see you later, love you, love you, love you. But I want to encourage you to add one word to that statement that can take it to another level in your relationship. Don't just say, I love you. Say, I love you because. And then tell them why. I love you because you're my best friend. I love you because you're an amazing mother to our children. I love you because you're an amazing wife. You're perfect for me. God, I, you're, I love you because you're, I feel like you're God's gift to me that I prayed for. I, I love you because of your walk with God. I love you because you're so kind. You're so sweet. You're so caring. You're so loving. You're so gracious. I, I love you how you get along with everyone. You might even say, I love you because of the curves of your thighs. It's okay. It's okay. Solomon said it. Now, now, now here, let me give you a little warning, church. It's important that if you think something good, you say it because here's the warning. If you don't say it, then sometimes they think that things are not good. You know, when you don't say something good, they think something is wrong. You know, I've learned this the hard way. I've come home sometimes and my wife has worked hard all day to clean the house. And I walk in and my mind's not on that. I didn't see her cleaning the house. And, and within minutes, if I don't notice that she's cleaned the entire house, she starts asking me, uh, do you notice anything different? I'm like, uh, is it your hair? Did you get a pedicure? What's it? And she's like, did you notice the house? Oh, yes, yes, honey, the house. It looks great. Because if I don't say, say it, she thinks something is wrong. You know, if she gets her hair done, gets it trimmed, gets it, you know, colored, I, I got to be paying attention to that. I need to notice that because if I don't notice, she thinks, that I don't like it or it's not a big deal. Now, I, I'll tell you guys a little secret, okay? Um, my wife's not in this service. She's going to be in the later one, so I might not have to be able to say this in the next service. But I've, I've encouraged my daughter, my teenage daughter, if mommy gets her hair done, will you just give me a heads up? <laughs> so that when I come home, I'm like, hey, like the hair. It looks great. You know, if she fixes a great meal and I don't say, and, she, and all her meals are amazing. My wife is an amazing cook. I, I was raised, my mom was an amazing cook cook and and my, my wife is an amazing cook and but I've learned you know when to say man honey thank you this is a this is a great meal you, I know you worked hard on this because if we don't say it that people can think that something is wrong if we think something good we're gonna do what church we're gonna 
Say it. I've mentioned this resource in the last uh, couple of weeks in our service, and I put it in your notes again. The Five Lung Love Languages by uh, Gary Chapman. Great book. You can go online and take the free test to find out what your love language is, and more importantly, find out what your spouse's love language is in your relationships. And, and one of the love languages is, is called Words of Affirmation. And there, and there are some people that if their love language is the, is the words of affirmation and you don't give them those words of affirmation, man, it, things are difficult for them. And they think something is wrong. If you think something good, say it. Solomon goes on and he's building her up. He's, he's not just thinking these things, but he's saying these things. He, he's, in verse 4, he says, your neck is like an ivory tower. Your eyes like the pools of Heshbon. By the gate of Bath-Rabim. Your nose is like the tower of Lebanon which looks toward Damascus. I'm just going to assume that was a beautiful tower. Because obviously Solomon is a nose guy. Okay? He likes her nose. Your head crowns you. Then he's saying all these things to her. Your, your head crowns you like Mount Carmel. And the hair of your head is like purple. Evidently she was in a punk rock band. He says a king. And he was a king. Remember King Solomon. He says a king. He's speaking to himself. Is held captive by your tresses. By your, by your hair. He's like I'm your love prisoner. That's what he's saying to her. And, and he keeps pouring it on. Verse 6, he says, how fair and how pleasant you are. How beautiful, O oh love, with your delights. He's not just thinking it, he's saying it. Now, now, now be careful with this next one, okay? Be careful with this one. He says this to her. Now, now he's built her up in a lot of ways. And he's going to continue in verse 7. And he says, this stature, this height of yours is like a palm tree. And your breast like its clusters. In the Bible. I said... He's saying to himself, I will go up to the palm tree. I will take hold of its branches. Let, let now your breasts be like clusters of the vine, the fragrance of your breath like apples, and the root of your mouth like the best wine. I have some explaining to do. Now, this, this guy is good, man. He is saying all the right things. I mean, he's taken nine verses here. To not just think something good, but to say something good. He's worked his way all the way up. And then he says to her, now I've said all these nice things. I'm going to climb up the palm tree and I'm going to grab onto some fruit. <laughs> Hashtag in the Bible. That's what he's saying. Now let me just caution you men for a moment. Just like I did a couple of weeks ago. This can be risky to try this. Or to say this, this can go either way. Like I told you a couple of weeks ago, you never know when the things you say and the things you attempt to do as a man with your wife, you never know which day is it going to be cute and attractive and which day it's going to be disgusting. And so you've got to be careful before you just run up to the palm tree grabbing for fruit. Let me just help you. Before you do that, like Solomon did, you better be prayed up and led by the Spirit of God before you climb in the tree looking for fruit. Can I have an amen, ladies? Happy Mother's Day. There you go. Some days it works. Some days it doesn't. But here's the good news in this story. She likes it. She likes it. She likes what he's just said. And she responds. Look at verse 9. The second part of verse 9. She says to him. And she's not just thinking it. She's saying it. The wine goes down smoothly for my beloved. Baby, you can say anything you want to me. You, 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 can, you can have anything you want. Moving gently the lips of sleepers. Verse 10. I am my beloved's and his desire is toward me. 
He says, I love all this about you. I'm not just thinking it, I'm saying it. And then he's really forward with what he wants. And then she, she's like, hey, I'm yours and you're mine. But we've spent, what, six, seven chapters coming up to this point. He has earned the right because he has said such wonderful and beautiful things to her. He's not just thought them, he's said them. And then she doesn't just think these things about him. She says them. She expresses them. And he likes it and she, she likes it. This is love in action. If you, if you think something good, what are we going to do, church? We're going to say it. We're going we're gonna to say it. You know, and this is Mother's Day. This is practical today. If you think something great about your mom, say it. This is the day to say it. Don't keep it in. Don't hold back. You know what? It always is amazing to me when I go to funerals that all these people get up at a funeral and they say all these incredibly amazing things about this person that is no longer with us. And I always wonder this. I wonder if they said those things to that person before they passed away. Let's say it now. Amen? Let's say it now so they can hear it and they can feel it and they can know it and be appreciated by this. Uh, my, my mom is um, 85 years old and, and she's still doing well and she, she still lives on her own in a little one-bedroom um, apartment kind of place in a, in a retirement village. And, and uh, I remember just a couple of years ago, uh, I was with my mom and, and we were driving around and I just really felt the Spirit of God impressed upon me. You know what? She's not going to be around forever. I mean, she's in her 80s. And I just had never fully, now as a, as a father, as a husband, you know, my place in life where I am at with children that are pretty much grown and almost out of our house before long, I'd never expressed everything to my mom that I would want to say. And, and I remembered, I don't want to wait until I'm doing her eulogy at her funeral to say these things. And I remember I just poured out my heart to her. And I told her how much I loved her and how much I appreciated her. And I don't know where I'd be in my life without her. And, and, I, and I, it was an amazing day for her and for, my, for myself. If we think something good, let's say it. Here's the second thing. Love and action. Here's another way we put love and action. If you think something special, do it. If you think something special, do it. I want to give you two ways that we see right here from this passage that we can do something special. The first one is purposeful time. Purposeful time. Verse 11, she says to him, Come, my beloved, let us go forth to the field. Let us lodge in the villages. What, what is she saying? We need to get away. We need some quality time together. We need some purposeful time. Let's, let's go get a bed and breakfast and let's, let's get away for the weekend. We need to spend some time together. This is another one of the five love languages, quality time together. Shelly and I, at least once a year, we try to get away and just do something together. Um, usually it's after Christmas time because, you know, in, in church world, Christmas is a very busy season for us. And we have four or five services. And so we get past Christmas, we get into January, and we usually try to get away and go somewhere warm. And the last couple of years, we've, we've gone to Vegas because it's warm. It's a cheap place to go. We love to go out and eat. We love to go to the shows and the shopping and all. Of that and I don't know what you guys are thinking what does a pastor's wife do in Vegas whatever we want to do and whatever happens in Vegas yeah there you go okay so we have a good time but we need that we need that quality time together I remember when our children were young we would make sure that we left them with a sitter or we left them with grandma or grandpa they're gonna be okay they're gonna be alive when they when you get back you need that break you need that I know people that man they have Kids, man, they got this great marriage, and then they have kids, and then they, for 18 years, they never do anything together. They never get away, and you need that quality time. Let me, let me share one word with you that can bring success 
to your marriage. One word. It's the word no. It's the word no. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. He, he needs to say no sometimes to some things like the golf outing or no to the hunting trip or no to the extra work and extra hours or no to the big game so he can say yes to spending time with her. Quality, purposeful time. She needs to learn to say no. Say, say no to shopping maybe. Say no to the kids. They're going to be okay. Say no to overtime or a girl's night out. Why? So she can say yes to him. It's very important that if we think something special, we want to do it. And this is quality, purposeful time together. In parenting, we say all the time that kids spell love T-I-M-E. But that is also true in a marriage. Amen? Love in action is time spent together. And then verse 12, look what she says. Because of this purposeful time they're spending together. She says to her man, her husband now, Solomon, let us get up early to the vineyards. We're on this little getaway. We're out in the village. We're out on the lodge. We're bed and breakfast. Now let's get up early to the vineyards. Let us see if the vine has budded. Whether the grape blossoms are open and the pomegranates are in bloom. Let's go out to the garden area. Let's go out to the park. And then watch what she says. And there I will give you my love. Yeah, that's what's going on here. She says, when we spend quality time together, I feel more like giving you my love out in the garden, in the park. Now, this was obviously before Google Earth and drones. You've got to be careful with this today, all right? Got to be creative, a little more creative with this. Now, now, listen, my point is not to go get naked in the park. That's not my point, okay? My point is plan some purposeful, meaningful time together. You need that. Love in action. If you think something special, do it. Spend some purposeful time together. Here's a second thing that you can do purposefully. It's thoughtful acts. Thoughtful acts. Do something special. Make sure that there are thoughtful acts in your relationship. Look at verse 13. And this again is her, the, the, the bride here, the wife, the Shulamite woman. In verse 13 she says, The mandrakes give off a fragrance, and at our gates are pleasant fruits. All manner, new and old, which I have laid up for you, my beloved. She says to her husband, I've laid up some things for you. What has she laid up for him? She's laid up some mandrakes. Well, what's a mandrake? It's a, it's a flower that blooms in this, this region of the mid Middle East and it has these little berries. And, and during this time, like raisins, they believed that they had medicinal purposes. They also believed they could be an aphrodisiac. That they could create desire and fertility. And she's saying, man, I'm so in love with this guy. I'm picking the mandrake. She's thinking ahead to do something special and do something nice for him. Because he's done something nice for her. And when he's thought something good, he has said it. And, and ladies, just let me say this. Anything that you can do to prepare the mandrakes, he'll love it. He will like that. Men, anything you can do to do something special for your wife, for her, or for, for your future marriage. Anytime you think something special, do it. Now, men tend to think, well, that means flowers, or that means chocolates, or that means cards. And those things are nice. But as I've told you before, my wife, what I've learned, and you know what, what she likes as thoughtful acts? Things like folding the clothes, helping with the dishes, helping with the children when they were, were young and they couldn't do everything for themselves. I've told you before, my wife loves it when I vacuum. Those, she does. Am I right, ladies? <laughs> I mean, sometimes those things are much more meaningful than a card or chocolate or anything like that. Just thoughtful acts. 
I, what I've learned, one of the most thoughtful acts I can do for my wife, and I don't do it often enough, I confess, but as I was thinking about this, what is a thoughtful act I can do for my wife? Now, she loves the vacuuming when I do that because she hates the vacuum, but she loves when I make the bed. And she loves it because it doesn't happen very often. But if I, now we have a different philosophy. My wife and I have a different philosophy about the bed being made. Some of you might be able to identify. My philosophy is, okay, it's our bed. It's in our bedroom. If nobody's coming over and nobody's going to be hanging out in our bedroom, which we hope they're not, we're going to get back in this thing in a few hours. Why do we need to make the bed if nobody's going to see it? But there's something about with my wife about getting into a made bed. Now, first, you've got to take off the 25 pillows that are on the bed. It's more than, I mean, this is a whole creative piece of artwork that, you know, on the bed. You know, you got the bed. And, and then when I do try to make the bed, I always mess it up because you're like, oh, no, no, no. Fold it this way, and this flips back here, and this pillow goes here. It's like, I feel like I'm putting a jigsaw puzzle together every time we make the bed. But she likes it. She likes it. So, so, you know, so, and she likes when I help her make the bed. You know, so she has to run around the, the, the sides. And, and that's a big deal to her. And, and i, I got to be honest with you guys. Again, I'm a pastor, but I'm not perfect. Recently, uh, my wife Shelly led our mission team to the Philippines for 10 days. Took a group from our church. So it was just me in our bedroom for 10 days. I made the bed one time. And you know what it was? The day she was coming home. That was the only day that I made the bed. But I was thoughtful enough in that act. She came home. She goes, hey. She said, Look, that's, you made the bed. I said, yeah. She goes, you just did that today, didn't you? I go, yeah. She goes, that's okay, honey. That's okay. As long as I don't have to see it, I don't care. So I got away with it for 10 days. But that was meaningful to her. That was special to her. I thought something good, I did it. That's, that's love in action. If you think something good, we're going to say it. If we think something special, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. And then here's the third thing. If you want something different, be it. If you want something different in your marriage and relationships, be it. Be it. You know, we've, we've watched this couple pursue something different throughout this study. I've said over and over, if you want something different, then you've got to do something different. And most marriages, most relationships are in trouble. There's fighting and there's quarreling. And, and you know, still today, even Christian marriages, over 50% of them don't make it. If you want what the world has, do what the world does. But if you want something special and you want something unique and you want something God-honoring, then you've got to do something different. And when I say, if you want something different... Be it, I'm talking to you. We've watched this couple that be something different. You know, the, the woman, she said early on in the study, I'm not going to be like the other veiled women, which were the prostitutes. I'm not going to give myself to a man before I'm married that is not my husband. I'm going to be something different. We've watched it as they've said together as a couple, you know, we're not going to stir up our love and, and physical emotions until it is time and until we're married. They've, they've approached it in a different way. We're not going to let the little foxes come in and ruin the vineyards and steal away what God is trying to do. We watched last week. Gary brought a wonderful message last week. We watched them get into an argument and fight, but they did it differently than a lot of people do. They didn't, instead of, when they got in a fight, instead of re uh, reacting, they responded in love 
and grace and mercy. Instead of walking, they were talking, working it out. I love what Gary said last week. You know, when you're in a fight and one person wins, everyone loses. But they said, we, we want to work this out together. We, we watched them as they said, we're going to focus on the good in our relationship and not the bad. And we've seen this beautiful, incredible relationship and marriage between King Solomon and the Shulamite woman. But it's because they've worked at it. If you want something different, then you have to be something different. And it starts with you. It starts with you. You cannot change another person. You'll drive yourself crazy trying. You can only change you. And if you're in a relationship, you're in a marriage, and you feel like, man, this is going south, this isn't going the right direction, and you're thinking about all the other things you'd like to change about the other person, I challenge you today, if you want something different, you be it. You change what you can change. You do what you can do. Because that's the only person you can change. And the only person you're going to give an account to before God someday is yourself. If you want something different, then you have to choose to be it. And I know this is, this is tough because some of you are in relationships and marriages and you think things can never be better and there's no hope. But can I tell you, there is. There is, but it starts with each person taking personal responsibility and saying, I'm going to do everything I can do to be the kind of husband God would call me to be, to be the kind of father God would call me to be. I'm going to be the kind of wife. I'm going to be the kind of mother. I, I can't change my spouse, but I can change me. If that makes sense, say yes. You'll drive yourself crazy trying to change the other person. It won't happen. And if you want a great marriage, if you want incredible relationships and marriages like what we read in Song of Solomon, I mean, this is like the dream relationship. These two are just so incredibly in love. Great marriages don't happen by accident. You look around our church, I'd encourage you, you pick out some couples that have been married for 30, 40, 50 years. And they'll tell you that didn't happen by accident. They didn't just wake up after 40 years of marriage and go, wow, I don't really know how this happened. We just get along so great. It just kind of came naturally. No, they worked at it. And a lot of people say marriage is 50-50. Don't believe it. It's not 50-50. It's 100-100. It's everybody doing their part. I watch so many marriages and, and, and so many marriages fall into this chess game. Well, I'll make a move when you make a move. Well, I'll improve when you improve. Well, I'll do this when you do this. And they're always focused on changing the other person instead of changing the one person they can change, which is themselves. If you want something different, you've got to be it. You probably heard this definition of insanity. And in some relationships and marriages, they're just in this vicious cycle of insanity. And here's a great definition of insanity. Insanity is doing the same things the same way and expecting different results. And there's a lot of marriages out there that they just keep doing the same thing the same way and they can't figure out why things aren't better. If you want something different, be it. Be it. As we wrap this series up, let me remind you that this isn't just a story of a man and a woman, a husband and a wife, King Solomon and the Shulamite. This is also a picture of the loving relationship between Jesus Christ as the bridegroom and the church, us, as his bride. And how much he loves us. And how much he's willing to sacrifice and give himself for us and, and to save us. And even though we've been in, King, in, in Song of Solomon, I, I want to share a verse with you from the very last book of the Bible. That I bet many of you have never seen before in this context, but it fits what we're talking about in marriage and relationships. And Jesus is speaking to his bride, the church. And he's talking about 
Christians that have fallen away from their love with Jesus. And consequently, not only are they falling out of love with Jesus, but their marriages, they're falling out of love with each other. Because when you get away from God, you're probably going to get away from your spouse. Because a marriage is not about two people, it's about three people. A husband, a wife, and God. What, what God has brought together, let not man separate, the Bible says. And in that context, listen to what it says, what Jesus himself says. In Revelation chapter 2, verse 4. If you, you want to find hope for your marriages, you can find it in this verse. But I have this complaint against you, Jesus says. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. You used to be in love with me and you used to be in love with each other, your spouse. He says, just look how far you have fallen. For some of you, maybe that's a five-year look back. For some of you, that's a 10-year look back. Some of you, that's a 20-year, a 30-year look back. Look back. But Jesus doesn't just say, look how far out of love you've fallen. He gives us a solution how to get back to the place where we were madly in love with Jesus and madly in love with each other. And he says this, turn back to me. That's first. You've got to turn back to God. And then do the works you did at first. Did you hear that? Fall back in love with Jesus and go back and do the things you used to do when you first fell in love. What is he saying? Put love into action. And I promise you, if you look back on your marriage and your relationships, when you were dating, when you were engaged, before you got married, when you first got married, what, what did you do when you were dating and, and falling in love? You put love into action. That's what you did. When you thought something good, you said it. You were saying it all the time. When you thought something special, you did it. You were opening the door. You were complimenting all the time. And so now, if you don't have that anymore, if you want something different, be it. Be it. That's the answer. Put love into action. There is hope. Do you believe that, church? Say yes. There's hope. But you've got to get past good intentions, get back to good actions. Go back and do the things that you used to do when you fell in love. And you'll be amazed how God can heal one, how God can bring couples back together. And we've watched here at Orchard Church couples that were on the brink of separation, on the brink of divorce, couples that had the divorce papers ready to be filed and signed. But they said, you know what? There was a day that we stood before God and we said, I do. And we agreed to some vows that said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you till death do us part. And we're going to give this one last shot. And we're going to get, we're going to each work on our relationship with Jesus. And we're going to work on our relationship with each other. We're going to do what only we can do. And we're going to go back and do the things we used to do. And it's amazing the healing that God has brought. And we've seen marriages after marriages restored by putting this into practice. So I want to encourage you. It's not too late for any of you. It's not too late to put this into practice and see what God can do as we put love into action. Father, we thank you for your word. I pray that it would speak to our hearts. I pray that we would, of all weeks, be doers of your word and not just hearers only. That we'd not just have good intentions in our relationships, but we would put them into good actions. That we'd go back and do the things 
that we once did that made such a difference in our relationship and marriages. Heads bowed, eyes closed for just a minute. I know this is a very sensitive time for some of you. Maybe some of you this morning, your, your marriage is just hanging by a thread. Maybe for some of you, you say, you know what? We're, we're not going to give up, but things are not where we'd like them to be. Let me just ask you this question. How many of you would say, I want something different for my marriage or for single people? I want something different for my future marriage. And I want to make sure that I put love into action. If that's you, if that's your desire, I want something different. Can I pray for you? Would you just slip up your hand all across this auditorium? Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Hands everywhere. Thank you. I want something different. I don't want what everyone else has. I want something special. I want something different. For some of you, that means you, you need to say some things. You need to not just think them, you need to say them. You need to not just think something special, you need to do something special. And go back and do the first works, the things that you used to do. And I want to pray for you right now that you, you would do that. That this wouldn't just be a message that speaks to your heart but never makes its way into your life. But, but that you'll actually begin to think about this this week. Today, when I think something good, I'm going to say it. And when I think something special, I'm going to do it. And if I want something different, I'm, I'm going to be it. It's going to start with me. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for all our, our, the marriages or, or the, those that are soon to be married. I pray, God, that we would put these words of truth from your word into practice. That we'd live them out. That we wouldn't just have good intentions but we would have good actions. And we'd go back and do the things that we used to do to build our relationship with you, to build our relationship with our spouse. And then we begin to see the healing take place and the restoration and the reconciliation take place. And that we give you all the praise and the glory and the honor for obeying and following and trusting your word as we put love into action. With heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody looking around for just a minute. There's a few of you this morning that need to hear this. As I said before, the book of Song of Solomon is a picture of God's love for us. It's an allegory about that. And you know, Jesus Christ modeled love in action. He didn't just say it. He did it. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus die on the cross for us that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life Jesus himself said no greater love has any man than this that he would be willing to lay down his life for a friend and Jesus didn't just say that that's what he did he laid down his life for every one of us so that we could have our sins forgiven if that's you today maybe you're here today you never received the love of Jesus I want to give you an opportunity to do that I want to lead you in a prayer of faith, a prayer you can pray right now where you sit from your heart to God's. Nobody can make this decision for you. It's not a magic prayer. They're not magic words. But if you put faith and belief behind it, you today can invite Jesus into your life to be your Lord and Savior and recognize what he did to show his love for you. If that's you this morning, would you pray this prayer of faith with me from your heart to God's right where you sit and mean it? It goes like this. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you showed your love to me by dying on the cross to pay for my sins that separated me from you. Jesus, I want to accept your love. 
I want to accept your grace and mercy. I don't want to run from you any longer. Jesus, come into my life today. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for putting your love into action for me. Thank you. With heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody looking around for just a moment. I don't want to embarrass anybody, but if you just prayed that prayer of faith for the very first time, I'd love the privilege and honor to pray for you that you would grow in your relationship with Jesus from this day forward. Would you slip up your hand for prayer real quick and put it down? Anyone? God bless you, sir. God bless you, ma'am. A couple together. Thank you. God bless you guys. Anyone else? Just slip it up and put it down. Yes, I prayed that prayer of faith to invite Jesus into my life today. Thank you. Let me pray for you. Father, I, I just thank you for those making that life-changing decision to put their faith and trust in you today. I pray that they would grow in the relationship with you and fall in love with you every day from this day forward. And as a church, we could help disciple them and grow in their walk with you. Lord, thank you for your love that you put into action. May we model that in our life with our spouse, with our kids, with our families, with our friends, with other believers, and to this world. May we put love into action. You, you, you reminded us in your word to your disciples. You said to us, by this, everyone will know that you're my disciple. If you have love for one another. And may we display that love, the love of Christ in all of our relationships. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we celebrate Decisions for Christ this morning? Amen. If you made a decision for Christ this morning, you raised your hand and said you accepted Christ, please let us know about that. There's a connection card there in your newsletter. Just check that box. Give us your contact information so we can continue to pray for you, send you a little book in the mail. If you're a first-time guest this morning here at Orchard Church on this Mother's Day, thanks so much uh, for joining us on this special day of Mother's Day. Hopefully you filled out your guest connection card. You can drop that in the offering bucket when it goes by. We're not interested in your money today, guests, but we're definitely interested in getting to know you a little bit better. We'll send you a thank you note and a free gift in the mail so let us know that you're here again ladies we love you thank you for being here today be sure to get your free gift uh, before you leave let's uh, stand and close in a song of worship also an opportunity to worship through our giving back to the Lord who's given so much to us God bless you guys again happy Mother's Day